0: Hey, everybody, it is Derek G Speaks Volumes for another week. The show, the podcast. Are these video essays where I break down a particular topic that I find particularly interesting in the music industry and beyond? But let's be honest, it's all to do with music and the music industry. And I have a really, really fun episode for you today. I'm going to tell you privately, I say privately on the podcast, because i I was going to name it this until I had a better advice (laughs) not to, because I think it could upset people and it could look wildly inappropriate. So the uh, internal name for this episode is K-pop is the porn of the music industry. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to stop you there. What I mean by that is K-pop is five to 10 years ahead of the rest of the music industry in terms of innovation. Same goes with porn. As we've known since the beginning of the internet, where is the one place that breaks rules, innovates, introduces new technologies, and is well ahead of the curve? The porn industry, whether it is how the video platforms operates and streams. For example, do I know this from experience? I don't know. But when you hover over a, a thumbnail of a video, porn had that what five years before YouTube had that things like that. And there are countless other examples of, and I don't want to get into that because that's going to get myself in hot water, of how the porn industry has innovated, whether it's AR, whether it's VR, whether it's AI, whether it's live streaming, you name it, porn is their first. And K-pop is their first in terms of the innovations in the music industry. So on the show today, I'm excited to break down how I think the K-pop industry, industry is innovating things that we are going to see in specifically western music pop culture western music industry in the future as they slowly cotton on to just how lucrative how valuable how innovative the k-pop industry is so how i'm going to break this down is we're going to talk about how much money it makes i'm going to talk about how they innovate in terms of artists promotion live events tech merch and fandom It's all coming up in this episode, but let's talk about how much money they make first. Let's compare this to bands. So in 2020, Maroon 5 was said to be a net worth of $45 million. At the same time in 2020, it was said that BTS had a net worth of $3.6 billion. The B, not the M, the B. That is the key differentiator and such a huge, huge difference in terms of bands and how much net worth they have when you hear 45 million you're like wow that's a lot of money that seems like too much for maroon 5 but when you compare it to the billions of dollars of bts you go okay what have they done i think bts is now worth maybe six billion dollars rather than three and that's over the course of the last three years that's how much they make so To illustrate my point, whilst the mechanics of Korean pop especially is vastly different from the traditional quote unquote Western system, which is discover, develop, grow over time, build a fan base until you're at a point where these artists are big and maybe worth tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars outside of the spaces of, say, the Spice Girls or One Direction, where it's sped up a lot more, but then die a lot sooner you have k-pop which is openly manufactured a content machine a merch machine and the fans and the mindset are built into this knowledge so that they know that spending money is part of the experience they know that spending your time and obsession on these artists is part of the industry so let's go with the first innovation in K-pop is the pawn of the music industry. And that is open research and development. So I touched on this on a previous podcast about what the East can take, what the West can take from the East and boy bands and where the boy bands go. But to touch on this briefly, open R&D means that K-pop is very open and willing to share the process of auditioning, training, and then debuting new groups. It happens on TV shows all the time. Multiple groups every year get debuted and you can see that process to show that these people are, quote unquote, manufactured. They're part of a system. They are part of training for them to become pop stars as designed by us. The Western sensibility, it's less about that. It's like, we want you to feel like these guys exist on their own. Again, when you have One Direction and Spice Girls, it has been in the open. When you have pop stars on those TV shows, They existed for a period of time, but they went away because perhaps the sensibility in the West was like, we don't like manufactured things. But I think that we've gotten to this point and this precipice within K-pop and transitioning to popularity in the West that people now are openly accepting that that isn't. It's a fine model to exist in. Do you think people are upset that BTS had to go through an audition and trainee process? Do you think people are upset that they're watching Blackpink and they're like, oh, these guys didn't write their songs? Of course not. People are having a great time. And I think that open R&D at such a ferocious level is one of the key innovations of K-pop. The second innovation that I want to talk about is how they treat artists. Now, I would say that there is an opposite to how they treat artists in K-pop, which is to say, They are often not allowed to have relationships. They have to live together in dorms. They are highly controlled. A lot of their devices are taken off them. But as well as that, in the innovation case for BTS, once HYBE went public, BTS got a whole ton of equity and each member was an instant, instant millionaire with a whole chunk of equity in Hive, the parent company of the label that started BTS, which is big hit. So it's a different model where usually artists are signed a contract. You, We own your masters for life. You have to earn it back. You will get money, but you have to recoup your advances first, and then you make the cream on top after we split the difference where you get 20% and we get 80%. Music industry 101 break, not don't wanna break that down too much. But here, there is a hat tip, there is an acknowledgement that, hey, you helped build this company, you are going to get part of this company. Can you imagine Universal saying like, hey, congratulations, we wouldn't be a $100 billion company without you. So here is 1% of the company. Thank you to whoever is on Universal, would never happen. It is a paradigm shift, but something that perhaps smaller companies or smaller record labels could potentially do in the future because you need your artists as much as your artists need you. In this artist category, I also love that K-pop groups allow, this sounds strange, but allows their artists to go solo while they're still in the group. It's almost like off-cycle marketing. So, Jenny, you have a solo. We're talking about Blackpink. Rosé, you have a solo next year. Lisa, you have a solo the year after that. Now, what this does is it likely creates some harmony in the group because you're like, I like that I forgot Jisoo. Uh, Creates some harmony in the group because it's like, oh, you get itchy feet. I want to develop my solo career. I have to quit the band in the case of One Direction or other people. I have to quit the band in order to be a soloist where the new innovation within K-pop is you can still be in the band. We don't have to, we can't release music all the time. So when we're not releasing music, you do your solo thing. You go on a world tour to perform it, promote it, be a solo celebrity Then come back into the fold. Can you imagine where you would have such big bands breaking off without there being some sort of press controversy that these artists have broken up and they're like you know tabloids will say that they're not what they used to be no they're just doing their solo work and i think that is a really open-minded innovation especially in the last three to five years we're seeing k-pop groups go to make english versions of their song or japanese versions of their songs what they've been doing for a while english versions smooth like butter butter by bts you know What that's doing is that it is presenting their music to a new culture for people to sing along to and understand. And you know what I would find super interesting, super innovative for a Western record label is to invite the members of a band to make a Korean version of their song. Let's say, for instance, Harry Styles, as it was, imagine if he did a Korean version of that song. Wouldn't people lose their mind? That would be kind of funny or better yet, Korean specific singles so not even a version of but a single directly for the korean market if someone's going to do it it's going to happen where it's going to make headlines where look charlie xcx drops original song in korean for the korean audience people might go hey well she doesn't speak korean well you know a lot of these k-pop groups that do english singles do not speak english either so there is an acknowledgement a hat tip to hey we appreciate your market we want to show that we love your market So here's a song in Korean, come on. Lastly, on an artist front, I like that they have subunits. So let's take the example of the Spice Girls. Let's say the Spice Girls existed for more than two years. Let's say they existed for 10 years and the company thought, we like the Spice Girls, this brand, brand in itself is valuable and this is all about creating a brand right this whole discussion so why don't we create the spice boys why don't we create the spice kids why don't we create subunits of groups so for example in k-pop you have a group called uh, nct neo culture technology they have nct 127 they have nctu they have wave v they have a bunch of subunits that are a part of the same brand, but you can kind of follow the storyline and tap into the different subunits as you feel, as you wish, what might suit your styles more. I think it's an open-mindedness to say, okay, we've created an overarching brand and philosophy of a group. Why, what's the harm in creating subunits? I would love to see that, and it's a really innovative way to think about bands and music As brands. The third innovation in terms of K pop being the pawn of the music industry is promotion. They are the best music marketers in the game. How can New Jeans be so wildly popular and they've only been around for approximately two years? Because they know how to market the hell out of them. And how do they do that? Through content. Number one, and this is the case for K pop for a long time, they drop a single. And the single comes with a dance, they perform that dance on TV. So there is a clear marketing through line to get people to absorb it. So you come out with an amazing dance that is almost as important as the song itself. And that gets presented on national television. Now, what New Jeans is doing is that they dropped four singles and four dances and they were promoting them all at once. A lot of work for those young girls but they have four bites of the cherry. So they have this mini EP. And I think they had almost dances for every single song on their mini EP. Speaking of which one that wasn't on my list was the mini EP. People talk about EPs in the West. Mini EPs are almost like these little debut albums that they put out every six months to say, we're gonna drop this thing. It's not an album. We don't really do albums. We'll do a mini EP or a mini album as they call that every six months, then they disappear then they come back. It's almost like here's our concept. Here's the package. Here's the world we're providing. We're going to promote it and then we're going to disappear. But don't worry, we'll be back. Now, aside of the singles and the dances, what I think they do super well in K-pop is promote that one song and that one dance as much as humanly possible. So you have on the YouTube dance practices. You have dance practices where they perform it in slow motion. You have dance practices where they perform it in fast motion. You have dance practices where they wear silly outfits as they're doing it. Maybe they do it outdoors. Maybe they do it indoors in an aquarium. There's like all these different versions of the dance practices so that you can watch them perform and perform in different places and you kind of want to watch them in each one because they're so good they're so different and they're so talented performing these performing these singles for you not only do you have that when the music video comes out they drop things obviously like behind the scenes but they are not two minute things they're like potentially multi-episode series for the super fans bringing the super fans into the world to go deeper and deeper into their world. They also do things like music video reactions. So they sit there and they react to the music video that the production company has made for them. So obviously they start in it, but they haven't seen the final thing and they film that. Anything that they can film to promote their single, they will, and they'll put it online. And I think that is a lot of production. You need a lot of investment. You need a dedicated team. You would need a 30-person Maybe 20, maybe 10 person production crew to capture, post produce every single bit of this content so it's expensive for a label to do because the difference between k-pop companies and labels is labels have hundreds of artists and then they service them a little bit as they release their music whereas in k-pop they have one group they have three groups and they put all their lasers and all their energy towards that so when you're in cycle that production team is making all the content for you and they're not spread across making a social asset for that little folk artist over there and a little behind the scenes for an EDM Artists over there, they don't do that. It's a lot more streamlined and a lot more focused. Let's talk about live events. I've always found the live events side of K pop really interesting, especially when we look at how much you can charge people for it. So, they have a variety of different tiers, as does the West in terms of seating. You can be a VIP, you can be in a box, you can be in general admission, you can have floor seats. But what I've observed is it's broken down even further with K-pop. So let me list out some for you. This is for Blackpink, for example, with the VIP section. So if you spend the most expensive ticket for a Blackpink concert, that's maybe about five grand, you get early access to standing floor and premium reserve seats. So you can get in, you don't have to run to the barricade, you have premium access to get to the barricade. Just like the airlines, you get an exclusive queue for you to check in. You get access to a VIP lounge with complimentary food and beverage. It really feels like an airport experience, doesn't it? You get priority access to pre-show sound checks. So you can pay for sound check or you get priority access. You get to go in first, you can go up really close. So you can really obsess over these people if you pay the money for it. You can also get access to the send off event following the show so show ends the show has gone for three hours by the way then come this way VIPs thank you actually what they do first is that you get to go on stage for some photo ops so show finishes everyone please leave not the VIPs, though, hang around, come on stage, take photos, maybe pick up some streamers that were left on the floor, put them in your pocket, enjoy. Okay, now come to the VIP area again. The ladies are taking their makeup off, they're getting changed into their sweats. They'll be out and maybe leaving in about an hour. So you hang around some more. Okay, everyone, come to the send off area and you stand at another barricade. Yeah. And you wait for Rosé, Lisa, Jisoo, Jenny to walk past. And you're like, bye, you are amazing. They're all like, oh, thank you so much. And they're just walking past really quickly. You pay for that experience as well. What else do you get? Commemorative tour merch for VIP people. You get reserved parking. You get a laminate badge with a custom lanyard. You get a crowd-free merch experience. Guys, above and beyond. Is this, if you were to look at it from the other point of view, is this the most disgusting version <laughs> of the music industry? The most capitalist, consumerist form? Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty cynical. It's like you want to experience the air that they breathe just after they breathe it out. We'll charge you for it. But it's smart. And if you want to make a whole lot of money and if you want to be worth billions of dollars as a company, they figured it out, guys. And I I, I can see a world in which this happens with a new boy group, a new girl group, a new artist that wants to lean into the K-pop model. It's coming. It's coming. Lastly on the live events, K-pop is a variety show. K-pop is a three-hour concert which isn't just I'm going to play you my set of songs. I'm going to do a bit of bands and I'm going to leave. It has games. It has solo performances. It has choreography breaks. There is an experience that everyone's used to that you can sit down or stand up and be part of this almost theatrical play that is going on in K-pop. And I know when K-pop was initially coming to America in a larger way, people were like, what is this? This is not a concert. But now that people are more savvy with it, they understand that this is pretty good value for your money. K-pop is more expensive by nature at concerts, but three hours from seven to 10, you're seeing the one group do the most is pretty impressive. Bringing you the sponsor of today's podcast, me, myself and I, Patreon, my Patreon, exclusive every single week, a brand new video radio show. You get a playlist, you get the track list Spotify, Apple Music, as well as a video form that you can listen to on your podcast app via a private link. New finds, new music to me, or new releases, all stitched together, themed episodes. You'll love it. You'll enjoy it. You support that. You support the show. You support me. Patreon.com forward slash G underscore Derek. I won't take up any more of your time. Next up in K-pop is the pawn of the music industry, (laughs) is tech. They have so much good tech coming on, and they have really innovated in terms of Apps, let's lose, use New jeans again. They, they also exist for BTS in the bigger groups, especially. New Jeans has an app called Phoning. That app, you can do everything from. Build your own avatars that are based on the artists. You can You can play games. You get your own ID card. You can look at photos of the group. You also see chats going on, like message chats. They're so like, almost like voyeuristic, and you can react to these in their app and then also the group goes live in the app. What does this mean? It's the modern version of a email newsletter for a group you know how they say if you want to capture your audience have a newsletter so you can email them in your inbox it's like no i've got a whole app they can come to me and they can be in my world and we control and own that narrative we can send them notifications because they're obsessed with us but also we're not relying on say instagram and their live stream function we're not relying on tiktok and the live stream function we have all the leverage and i i have i don't have the app i've never used it but i've seen on tiktok someone like honey from New Jeans going on the phoning app. And there were a million people on the app. That is insane. Insane that they can bring people to their own app to do that. And what does that need in order to be successful in terms of technology? Server-side hosting really f- strong devs as well and they'd be able to, to handle that bandwidth. You and I have all had really bad apps whether it's fitness apps, cooking apps and it seems really hard to have a really robust scalable app that works. So be able to have a million people in a stream on your own private video stream server. You need a lot of investment. You need a lot of reliability. It can't screw up. Speaking of live streams, as you, some of you know, I interviewed Eugene's, uh late 2022. It came at the top of this year, I think. But they had these high production interviews. So I've talked about this before, but three, four cameras. shot on real-ass cameras, plugged into Zoom, recorded in 4K, all hair and makeup done. They have invested in the tech, they have invested in the production, which only serves them better because even though in their career, they can speak to me for an American radio station as I was interviewing them in Australia with the best possible production. That also relates to their live streams where they can do a premiere before their music video comes out with a studio that's all been set, dressed, hair and makeup and their live streams are top-notch. It's not a phone leaning up against a tissue box or something. They do this properly, and there's so much investment in that as well. Finally, in terms of tech, there's obviously a lot of experimentation around AI, around avatars. When Esper was premiered, debuted, they talked about them having their alter egos, which were avatar versions of themselves. There was a group that debuted this year called Maeve, which was a virtual idol group. That's kind of weird to watch. And I watched a music video and it's kind of creepy. I'm not into it, but look, the the gorillas exist. The archies exist. There have been quote unquote virtual groups before, but I think more and more they are gonna have personality. They're gonna be able to interact with fans. And that innovation is still being pushed a lot more heavily buy K-pop than any other industry. Two more to go in this podcast. The second last one is merch. They've figured it out. They've figured out merch and how to really draw as much money out of the fan as possible. Let's start with light sticks. Light sticks are a given in K-pop. If you're a true fan of a group, you get the light stick. Light sticks cost anywhere from 50 to $150 and it's just a stick, a plastic stick that lights up and you can wave it when you're a fan at home if you like with your friends you can use it as a microphone if you like not actually literally like you can pretend to use it as a microphone but really you're taking it to the concerts so you can wave it around and they use what infrared technology or whatever it is to sync them all up when you're in there so they all flash at the same time and show the same color at the same time dude my little kid likes new jeans and we were like let's get in the light stick and it was like 150 bucks and we're like yeah never mind because what (laughs) but it's uh it's a really interesting innovation in terms of there is a product a signifier that every group has to represent your fandom and there isn't such a thing in the west that you get you have band t-shirts taylor swift has these little bracelets that you can get but it's not like everyone new bands drops what's a light stick look like they're going to debut that and is somewhat original, but I do think that light sticks could come to the West. Do leap by having a light stick, someone again is gonna do it and they're gonna be like, we're doing a light stick for the first time. People can be like, oh my gosh. What else comes in merch? We've got photo cards, which are basically like trading cards. They do photo shoots with the groups, and you have different rare photo cards that come in different iterations of the group, whether it is at live concerts, whether it's in merch, whether it's in books, whether it's in CDs. You get sometimes rare photo cards, and people collect them. They collect their biases, they trade them, they want the more coveted ones. And it might be a photo of them in a cafe looking cute. It's like not always about really expensive production value, it's about they didn't make many of these. And so, now you have a trading card element to K pop that you don't have in the West. Where I would love to see like official, or would I? I don't know if I would, but Harry Styles trading cards where people are like, oh my gosh, did you have this one where he took a selfie of himself from the Sydney show in 2023? They only made 10 of them and now they're worth $10,000. That happens. People spend a ton of money on K pop photo cards. Okay, what else do we have? We have books, CDs, box sets that you can buy. And this will lead on to the fan stuff in a second, but you can buy these box sets. People buy multiples of it, one to open, one to have pristine. You have them in different colors and variants. You have different CD covers all different ways that you can obsess and own as many of these box sets as possible. And then you also have collectibles and other merch. You can obviously get t-shirts and in, in the New Jean's case, you could buy a little handbag as well. But as you can see, there's a real world in how you experience these groups outside of what you would have for normal groups in the West, which is t-shirts, posters, and key rings. One thing I found really interesting about K-pop is how they use CDs more than vinyl. They No one really makes vinyl records in K-pop, it's more about CDs. Why? CDs are cheaper to make. They're faster to distribute because the distribution backlog for vinyl is so slow and hard and expensive to produce. The margins for CDs are a lot higher because it's just plastic and a bit of paper and it's a lot smaller and you can fit a lot more in a container to ship. and also there's this whole world around K-pop and CDs where you buy a little CD player. CDs feel modern, but also a bit 90s in a way. And CDs are becoming more and more of a thing in K-pop. And I can see a world in which CDs come back in terms of a way to express your fandom, which also leads to an economy of more portable CD players, which are coming out. I've seen articles about portable CD players coming out. And I feel like that trend of more brands, say teenage engineering, making CD players because people want to experience CDs as an expression of their fandom, as a way to be a bit different and kind of the vinyl for Gen Z. Last but not least in K-pop is the pawn of the music industry, is fans and fandom. K-pop has really figured out the way to get within the psyche of a fan and figure out how to monetize them as much as possible first one fan signs fan signs are an event where you line up and you get a very brief moment to say hello to your idols they're called idols because they're treated like idols you can either look at them through glass and wave i've seen them where they're literally standing up in a row behind glass and you walk past and wave and they wave back at you wild you pay a lot of money for that or in some cases they're sitting down and they sign something for you, You maybe you can give them something. You can say, oh my gosh, I love that song. Sure, they do s- signings in the West, but fan signs being a specific event and a particular draw card is one way to interact with fans. The second way is the more commercial-minded way to monetize and build a fan-artist relationship, which is fan calls, which is you can use Kakao or a version of a video chat app, and you can speak To your idol, you can literally speak to them, but not everyone can. How do you do it? You have to get access, and how do you get access? The more merch you buy, specifically, it's usually albums. How many albums you buy, box sets you buy, you can therefore go through this process where you buy them at particular places which are offering the opportunity to possibly win a fan call. And when you buy one, two, ten, twenty albums, you get more chances to do a fan call so i don't know how long the idols do fan calls for maybe they do it all day in one hour chunks Jeez, that sounds exhausting and you speak to them for probably two minutes and you get the chance to go hey rose oh my gosh we used to go to the same high school i bought 50 albums to speak to you and in some cases the fandoms might buy in bulk and sell it to the other fans at cost in order to get that opportunity and they support each other to do it. But can you imagine, in one sense, Taylor Swift is selling the Ruby version of Midnights, the Lavender version of Midnights, the Gold version of Midnights. In this case, it's like, hey, no, just buy the same thing. Just buy the same thing over and over again for your chance to speak to an idol for two minutes. How do they build up such a fandom with the artists? They do it through the innovations of fandom names. They... Ruminate they might put it out on a poll, they might announce it in a special event. The fandom name for Itzy is Mitzi. The fandom name for Derek is whatever you like, but that way i they can identify with the group so lots of Western artists have unofficial fandom names. they call themselves that beehive beehive i don't know is it beehive or beehive People call it that, but it's not an announcement, and it isn't part of the universe of the artist or group. Whereas in this case, in K-pop, it is part, a fandom is the band as much as the band is the band. You do not have BTS without ARMY. You do not have Itzy without Mitzi, probably a bad example. You don't have Blackpink without the Blinks. And it's so weird when K-pop groups are in the West doing interviews. They don't say, oh, we would love to thank our fans for listening to the music. They say, we'd like to thank our Blinks and the host is like, what are you talking about? What? Are, well, can't you speak to everyone? Are you speaking to everyone on this radio station? It's like, no, 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 we're not speaking to fans or listeners. We're speaking to Blinks specifically. But that draws more people in to spend more money on fan calls. They also have fan chants. So it is official or unofficial ways to sing along with the song. So my, when maybe there's a pause in the song, they give almost a script for fans to sing along. So if they go... You make me feel special. They might say, when, when after they say special, you go, yeah, yeah. So then it goes, you make me feel special. Yeah, yeah. Na, 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 na. And everyone is along for this ride and they're rehearsing it and they're making sure that they fulfill the responsibility of a fan at the concert. And this all wrapped up in the fandom and development of the fandom means that they can mobilize really well and they become a community. These fans hang out at concerts, they hand out bracelets, photo cards, freebies little knickknacks and bric-a-bracs that the fans make and want to give to other people. It creates this ecosystem where they look out for each other, care for each other because essentially it is a worldwide exclusive club where they feel like we are part of a movement and we are part of the success of BTS for example and we are together. Now what mean what that means is that K-pop has innovated to the point where they've created their own street teams, their own marketing teams to further propagate BTS even further. So you create all these things that I mentioned, but then if you whip up the fans into this world, they then make fan cams which are the little cut downs where you can just be watching that one artist dancing and those are 7 second clips that they share all over social media. They take over different social media trends to promote their artists. That's why people can hate K-pop fandoms because it's like they're everywhere and they're so annoying but they mobilize so well to make sure that people know about BTS's new single. So there you are. All of these innovations, if you're cynical it's pretty depressing if you are impressed by the business and the strategy behind it it's pretty amazing as well will we see some of if not all of this come to the west facts we just will you heard it here first you are going to hear about different fan calls and the album buying scheme you're going to hear more fandom names you're going to see more light stick type things you how could you not the only pushback not only one of the pushbacks i would say is that The major labels are not structured like this, where it is about a lot of infrastructure to focus on a lot of people for a small amount of time. And how could they break off so much attention to monetize like a startup? A band, it's really hard. You almost need to start a new company and invest and know that you're going to come out at a loss until you build up the reputation of that group. And I don't think that the mindset of the West is designed like that. You develop, you prove a concept, you start to grow the fan base over time, you may play small rooms, then bigger rooms and bigger rooms. Whereas here is like, we know that we are a company that has to lose in order to make money, we're going to spend $100 million on new jeans in the first two years. But after the two years, they're probably worth 500 million dollars if not more and if we keep growing we're going to be worth six billion dollars ten billion dollars but that takes a lot of investment a lot of savvy a lot of marketing tools that i've discussed a lot of innovation to get there so there you go that has been Derek G speaks volumes i have analyzed and chewed your ear off but hopefully you've enjoyed your time on this podcast this has been another episode what do i have as an appendix for you I am in the midst of preparing a couple speeches. I am hosting a TikTok event for South by Southwest Sydney. I am also hosting my own keynote talk that I'm writing at the moment. So if you don't hear from me as much, it's because I'm in the bunker trying to write and be a a speaker at a conference, but that should be fun. I'm really excited by that. And uh, hopefully I can share that with you someday. Outside of that, in a very good mood, as you can tell. And thank you for listening I'll see you on the next episode. Like, fave, subscribe, star if you like it, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.